For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Olympian Lolo Jones and I have a new podcast called Gold Medal Loser, presented by Discover Card. Everyone can relate to those loser moments in their life, especially when expectations are high. But here's the thing, not everyone overcomes hardships the same way. So I'll be talking to some of the most winningest people from all walks of life to learn their mentality behind their successes and failures. We'll be talking to athletes and celebrities to get their insight behind personal moments that represent the good, the bad, and the ugly. Plus, how they took these challenges and created a better version of themselves. So check this pod out because it's time to get real. Don't forget to subscribe to Gold Medal Loser on Apple, Spotify, and any preferred podcast platform. All right, I am happy to be joined by Brett Lauren, host of the Two Tall Sports Podcast, uh, formerly a, a fifth-round pick by the Seattle Mariners. Brett, how are you doing tonight? Good. Thank you for having me, Francisco. It's always good to be on with you, so happy to be back. Absolutely. I, I wanted to have you on to maybe discuss your your history through the minors, as well as maybe some things that you saw while being a minor leaguer that you you think should be changed and what you hope will be changed with these new laws and rules that that baseball is kind of implementing hopefully uh this season once once we have a season i guess i should say right but, uh, before that i want to talk to you about your podcast um how did the idea of two tall sports podcasts come to come about and uh how how is that going it's going great. You know, I can't, like a lot of people, the pandemic hit. And so, you know, first couple of months of the pandemic, I kind of, you know, I got, I actually got laid off. So I was like, huh, I got some time here. So I always kind of wanted to get into sports media and a good start for me, I thought would be a podcast. I have a lot of connections through my minor league career and just people I know, different college coaches. And so I was like, huh, I enjoy interviewing people and I like getting stories and also shedding some light on the minor leagues like you talked about, which yeah. is kind of unknown. It's, it's a kind of a mysterious life. And People only see the people that on TV that get to the big leagues. There's hundreds and thousands of dudes trying to get there too underneath that you don't see. So uh, it was just a mixture of all of that. And I started doing it. I you know, was nervous, of course, to put myself out there like everybody else. But uh, you push through it. And now it's like a routine. Every week I got an episode. So it, it's been fun. And I'm enjoying getting better at it and finding new guests to interview and just delivering good content for my listeners. So it's been fun. Yeah, you talk about about just starting and so many times you hear people say like if you, you want to just start a podcast ju just do it it's not it's not hard to start a podcast it's hard to keep going like yes. once you realize like this is a lot of work you know um editing and planning and getting guests and actually creating content that people would like to hear right um but how how did you what did, what was one of the biggest maybe struggles as as a podcaster that you that you've gone through and maybe um, how how you dealt with that. 
I think the hardest thing for most, you know, 95% of podcasters is looking at the numbers and how many downloads you have. And, you know, if you're not backed by a major network, you're just mm -hmm. not going to get that kind of buzz. About It's just very mm -hmm. hard to grow your podcast to these gigantic numbers without someone pushing your stuff out there. So I think just remembering why you're doing it. You're not doing it just for listeners. You're doing it because you enjoy it and you like sharing, you know, people's stories and I think the hurdle is to, well, the first hurdle is imposter syndrome, thinking you don't belong in this space, yeah. right? Yeah. So getting comfortable with that and then the direction you're going to go. And then once, you know, everybody hits this wall where it's like you get a spike in the beginning because everybody you know is going like, to give you a shot and listen. Yep, yep. And then you kind of flatten out and, and it's just, it's hard to mentally stay with it. But you just have to remember why you're doing it. And it, it's for yourself and providing good content to the people that listen. Absolutely, for sure. And like I started mine really randomly. Like I had someone DM me and he asked, Hey, I know you do a little bit of writing about the brewers. Do you want to come on my podcast and, and talk with me? And I was like, Yeah, totally. And then I I I after we were messaging, I'm thinking to myself, what did I just get myself into? Like I've never podcasted before. I've never been a guest on a podcast. I'm like, do I need a mic? Do I need and he's like, no, you know, just use your earphones for your phone. And like, that's it. Like, we'll just we'll go from there. So um, I was on there for maybe like a 20 minute segment. And we were just talking about the Brewers right before the season started. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is actually kind of fun. Like just talking about sports and, you know, people listen to it. And then I thought after going on his podcast, maybe another three or four times, I'm like, well, why don't I just start my own? You know, like, yeah, I can do this, too. So I, sure. I went out with the Best Buy, bought a mic. Uh, found a couple co-hosts and then we just started talking brewers mostly predominantly that's kind of how the podcast was geared towards um, and then just kind of through life and other things uh, it ends up just being me now and I've kind of steered away from strictly the brewers because I love talking to everybody in the sports world um, I know your podcast covers like every sport. Yeah, I think that's smart. It's hard to just dial in on one team and especially like in the offseason right now, like what could you possibly talk <laughs> yeah. about the Brewers right now? You know, so yeah. I, I I try to I stay away from fantasy talk. I stay away from one single team. I want broad, <clears throat> excuse me, I want broad topics and stories and, you know, because if there's nothing, there's no sports, in, if there's no games going on for your one sport, mm -hmm. I have stories and people that can talk about their history of their, yeah. their careers to talk about, you know, or sports writers or sports psychologists, stuff that applies to everybody. I'm not just reliant on what happened in last night's game, you know, so I'm with you on that. I think it's hard to cover one team. Yeah. And to be honest, like it was getting really repetitive. Every right. episode was like, wow, the Brewers can hit, but the Brewers have really good pitching, you know, and then it's like. Oh, right. And like it's every day is like, oh, my goodness. Like, I don't want to keep talking about the same exact thing. And I love watching the Brewers. Sure. I also love watching Oakland. Like I was born and raised in the Richmond Bay Area. And I just a team I grew up loving. Um, obviously, I live here in Wisconsin, so I cover the Brewers as well. But like I want to be able to talk to everybody in the sport. Like I stick to baseball predominantly. Sure. But no matter what team you're playing for, like I will talk to you if you want to talk baseball. And it's real selfish kind of, too, because like. I've gotten a chance to talk to some incredible guests and you just had a, a big get this past your past podcast. Um, you had uh, the gentleman from, from FF one FS one is going to, I can't remember his name. No, it's uh, Rob Parker. Yeah. Rob Parker. Yeah. That was some yeah. good conversation. Uh, he has some interesting Curry takes. I'm a Warriors fan. So, we'll, but we'll, we'll leave that to the side. I'm with now. you on I'm that. Not. Probably your stance, whatever your stance is. I'm probably yeah. with you on that. Yeah, I was, well. I was not in a complete agreement with what he was saying, but you know what? 
he is a basketball guy. I'm I'm not. I just I'm just a fan of the game. Sure. Um, but yeah, so how how has it been like getting guests on your podcast and all that? Yeah, it's been great. You know, it, it helps that I played. So, you know, I have a little bit of credibility when I bring them on. Mm-hmm. And um it, I just kind of tell like basically you have to make sure they know, look, I'm not a member of the media yet, but I'm not here yeah. to like I'm not out to get you. I'm not trying to make you look bad. I just want your story. And if you're willing to come on and mm-hmm. share it. I'm going to be prepared and ask good questions. So it'll be real easy and flow nice. And so, yeah, um, I think once people get on with me and they're, they, they're like, Oh, this is comfortable. It's easy. Mm-hmm. So then they, they open up a little bit more. Cause as you know, as a podcaster, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, sometimes people are kind of reserved, you know? Yeah. So you have to let, let the, you know, let them get comfortable and then they will start, you know, revealing some good stuff about their life. So Absolutely. I think it's all about the questions. Yeah, for sure. And also like not coming on like strong, like, Right. I got a list of questions. Boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, try to create. Yeah, you a, want it conversation, you know? Yeah, right. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how I like to go about it. I don't I don't like just diving straight in like, all right, you you batted this this year. Like, how does it make you feel? <laughs> you know, it's like you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> chill out, you know. Right. But uh, no, that's cool. Yeah, I've had some incredible. Like, I think uh, I had Jeff Blum on from. Uh, oh, OK, yeah. The Astros play by play on the TV. That was pretty cool. He's probably my my biggest guest. Yeah, he's a funny on. guy super chill like it was, yeah. it was actually a really fun fun conversation but uh like i said selfishly i've been able to talk to super super cool people and uh just been able to dive deeper into the sport like i never played but just talking to people who sure. are playing or had played or talk about or write about those who play you know it's, it's been really fun i guess it's kind of selfish but at the same time just being able to get my voice out there and they're no, not at all there as well you know i think you know what honestly you'd be surprised that's what i'm also learned in this process you'd be surprised who says yes to come on your show like People generally like to talk about their career. And when you get it from them directly, it's from the horse's mouth. They get to say, it's not the media telling their story, especially if they're a former athlete, they get to tell their story. So I think that's the important part is if you just set them up and and just let them go. I think people, you're, I'm surprised how many people are open to talking about their career, which is, it's fun to see that. You know, you're right. And I, I've been surprised how many people I've asked and they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? Like, yeah. you sure? Because <laughs> <You're> sure. sometimes <laughs> you talked about the imposter syndrome and I get that all the time. I'm sure that sure. I'm not the only one you, you as well. Yeah. But like, am I really like, do they really want to talk to me about, but no, people are really open to like talking sports. So uh, for those listening, if you ever thought to yourself, like I should start a podcast, like go for it. I highly recommend it. Um, you talked about the numbers. Don't look at the numbers, at least no. for a year, like forget about it. Cause to be honest, no, 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 the market is so saturated. Like there's so many, everyone has a podcast nowadays. It's kind of hard to stand out. You just got to make sure your, your, your content is different, unique. And, uh, eventually, eventually the numbers will come. Um, that's, that's kind of my, my thoughts on that. Yeah. And you know what I was doing an interview show, not everybody's going to know every single guest that you have on. So if some people right off the bat, if they don't know the name that you're interviewing, they just might not listen. It's just the way interview shows go and you get a big name, they'll show up for Mm -hmm. you. So it's, it's, you can't do it just for numbers. Like you were saying. No, I I agree. Cause like I'll scroll through people's like, like things. I'm like, Oh, I don't know who that is. Or like, Oh, this person, like, I really want to hear what they have to say. So I'll, I'll jump on and listen to that podcast. Um, I think that's how everyone is. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just a way. I think it's just human nature, kind of like you know, we, we kind of want what we want when we want it, and not. I don't know. It's just the way it goes. Podcasting's yeah. fun, though. I, I have to admit, like it's a ton of fun. It is. Yeah, but <laughs> let's 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 take a quick turn here and talk about your career. Um, you, I previously mentioned you were drafted by the Seattle Mariners in the fifth round. At what point did you fall in love with the game of baseball, and at what point did you think? 
this is something I could do and make a career out of. When I was in high school, I was playing both basketball and baseball. And I, I'm actually at heart, and most people don't don't want to hear this, but like I'm a basketball guy at heart, you know. So I'm I that's why I have passions about other things than just baseball. I'm not just a baseball lifer, and I know we'll talk about that with independent yeah. ball and all that stuff later. But uh, you know, I made a business decision after high school because playing I had an offer for division two basketball and I decided to walk on as at a D1 baseball program, University of Arizona. So I took a chance there. I wasn't a scholarship guy, but I thought my best chance to succeed would be in baseball, you know, being six, seven pitcher, you know, downhill, you know, good arm. So I just thought my odds are better in baseball. And so I went with that. And uh, when I was at U of A, I loved the school. I just didn't pitch very much. And I redshirted my first year and barely pitched my second year. So I transferred to Long Beach State, which was the best move I could have made in my career. And once again, could have just stayed at U of A and and had fun and been a four-year guy. Probably wouldn't get drafted. But, you know, if you want to get drafted and get exposure, you got to pitch. So I, I, I needed to change schools to go pitch. So that's when I went to Long Beach. That's kind of what changed the trajectory of my career. Um, you, and you, you meant your, your podcast is called two tall sports and yeah. that's aptly named because you are, how, how tall are you? You're six, six, feet seven, six yeah. foot seven. So yeah. yeah, basketball was probably maybe more, but people, when they see you think, oh man, basketball player. Everyone right? always right. asks me that, right? Yeah. Like, oh, where'd you play about? I'm like, and then when you like, especially I'm at the grocery store, I'm like, okay, here we go. And now I got to talk <laughs> about this. It's like, wait, why didn't you play basketball? Well, I played baseball, but what position do you play? Why didn't like, it's just like, mm-hmm. wait, you're not a volleyball player. You're not a swimmer. You're I'm like, dude, no, I, I played baseball. Give it up. You know, can yeah. I buy my stuff and get out of here? please? Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, it's funny how people react to being a little bit higher than the average person. Yeah. As a walk on, did you notice a difference? Um, as not being someone that they uh, recruited um, yeah. or given like a, a scholarship? A hundred percent because I, and I like not trying to, you know, go after anybody, but when I got drafted two years later, I went higher than a lot of the guys that they were pitching more than me. So when I went to Long Beach and they still had their scholarship guys there, mm-hmm. I went a lot higher than other than a few first rounders than most of their pitchers that were on scholarship there. So that was kind of validation for me saying, mm-hmm. okay, I can pitch at this level. Um, but when I was there, yeah, like I said, I, I redshirted the first year. I threw nine innings total my second year. I didn't have a role. I was not a guy there. And if I were going to come back as a junior, it would have been the same scenario. So mm-hmm. once again, kind of made a business decision. Like I said, I love going to school there, but if I'm going to get exposure, I got to pitch. So that's why I went to Long Beach. And also, by the way, total gamble. I didn't know what my role was going to be there. And I went from a middle reliever literally to start the year at Long Beach. And by the end, I'm throwing in a playoff game as a starter. Uh, and, and and winning a, a regional playoff game, so a lot wow. can happen in one year. That's incredible. And and do you think just because you were a walk on, that's why you didn't get those innings? innings Partially, you know what? I hadn't filled out like I hadn't wasn't fully grown yet. I think my junior year, I really like they didn't. I didn't do a lot of mechanical work at U of A, and then when I got to Long Beach, the pitching coach there was really good, and he got my body kind of dialed into hmm. figuring out how all my limbs move. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. They, they had a good pitching structure there where I was watching film and it was much better for my mechanics when I got to Long Beach and I figured out how to use my body and throw better and uh, become a better pitcher. So I think I just didn't get the attention that I needed at U of A and that, that's why I left. Why Long Beach, though? Out of curiosity. Well, okay. So it's about 45 minutes from where I grew up. They have a great okay. baseball program. You know, it honestly, is. I was thinking about a couple other schools, too. Um, like Cal State Fullerton is their big rival. And I was actually going to throw a bullpen for them that summer when I was transferring. 
but I threw a bullpen for Long Beach first. And before I could really start getting in the weeds with Fullerton, they were like, hey, we, we want to have you, you know, come out here. So it was, like I said, like there were other great pitchers that I've had on my podcast, not all of them, but like Abe Alvarez was there. He played in the big leagues. Uh, Jared okay. Weaver came before me. So oh, they wow. had a little history of legit college pitchers go through there. So it was a good program that I thought might make sense for me to, and they, they were there was also a stacked team. They were going to get a lot of attention in the draft with scouts and stuff like that. So, you know, like I said, I kind of bet on myself, but I, I had a, I had enough confidence to say I can pitch at this level. So yeah. that's why I did it. And how did it go from being a middle reliever, only pitching nine innings in a season yeah. or a, a college season, to now being one of their dudes who, like you said, was pitching playoff games? And now getting like heavily scouted by by MLB scouts. You have to earn the trust of your coaches when you're there. So, you know, whatever, uh, like I said, didn't have a role. And they would throw me in situations. And they were like, okay, we can trust this guy. Let's mm-hmm. try. Because we would have midweek games too. You'd have your Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. And then we'd also have random Tuesday and Wednesday games sometimes. And then I started a Tuesday game. Did well. Then I started another Tuesday game. Did well. Then I got a Sunday game. And then it just progressed into, I was the, you know, Friday's your ace kind of thing. I, I threw a, a Saturday night game in a a meaningful playoff game. So it's just building the trust of your coaches and continuing to, you know, put up zeros as they say, as a pitcher and, and get them to trust you to put you out there. Was there a, cause I know like baseball players are like creatures of habit. Uh, That's how, what the saying is. Um, Was there a huge difference in like your, like preparing for a bullpen as opposed to now being every other, I guess it wouldn't be every fifth game. Yeah, it's like every every seven days. Every seven days. Totally different mentality. And it's just like that in the minors too. You know, starting pitchers are very regimented on a schedule, right? It's like, okay, you pitch, then day off in your, you know, light throwing, then bullpen, then, you know, lifting, running, running, and then you start again. It's very regimented and and structured. If you're a reliever, you got to be possibly ready to throw every single night and have a short memory. And you never know when your time is, your your number is going to get called, but you got to be ready. So it's a totally different mindset. Some guys really like that. And I, I did well in both roles once I got to the minors, but you have to embrace that role as well. So whatever, it, you know, what it comes down to is whatever you need to do to get ready to pitch, that's what you yeah, do. For sure. And at what point in your in your college career did you start noticing that scouts were paying attention to you? Because when you were, you know, previously you weren't pitching very much and right. I'm sure that they, you know, you were maybe not on the radar yeah. But at what point did you begin to notice that you were on the radar? Because you said that in your college, there were other players who were heavily scouted. Uh, at what point did you know that you were one of those guys that they came to also take a look at? Yeah, that's a good question. It's honestly, when I started getting letters uh, in my locker from, you know, questionnaires you have to fill out for scouts and also phone calls. And then they, as you get closer to the draft, they start taking you out to dinner and to lunches and coffee and just feeling you out, calling you, sitting down with you, you know figuring out mostly what you will sign for or what you're willing to sign for. And it, even on draft day, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you never really know what's going to happen until your name mm-hmm. is called. Um, but you get a lot of interest leading up to the draft. And as you know, the better team you're on, the more eyeballs are going to be on you. So you start, you know, hearing from these scouts, just checking in on you and meeting you and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so, um, you know, it's hard not to, to feed into it, but we were, we had a really good team. We had, I think, eight guys in the first five rounds. Like we were a pretty wow. stacked that year. So we had a lot of attention on us, but it was good. And, and you were, you were drafted uh, as a junior. Did you ever think about going back for your fifth year? 
Possibly. Years, so I technically, I was a redshirt sophomore. I mean, junior year, but I actually had two more years of eligibility back wow. uh, coming back. So yes, I totally could have come back. I probably would have been the Friday night guy, the starter, the main, you know, a mm-hmm. starter coming back. Uh, and I would have played in the Cape Cod League that summer, which is like the number one college summer ball league. So mm-hmm. lots of scouts out there. Definitely could have. Um, but I think I was just ready to go, man. I I, I felt like I did pretty much what I needed to do in college. I didn't mm-hmm. need to hang around again. The team wasn't going to be as good. So I was just, I don't know. I was just ready to go. So that's why I decided to sign. I guess with so many being drafted for, out of that team, like the returning team wouldn't have been as stacked. Right. As as that makes sense. Um, yeah. Now, when you were drafted or previously to being drafted, uh, I know the Mariners had taken you. How many teams had contacted you or seemed um, like they were really interested in, in drafting you? Most of the, I mean, almost all, like not all, of them, Every but most of the teams. Team? Be, okay. Yeah. And even I was getting phone calls the morning of the draft. Like, Hey, will you sign for this? Will you sign for this? We might take you in this round. Are you going to sign? And I don't know, man. I'm not sure. Like I, <laughs> they were, you know, obviously they, they always lowball you on the number. So it's just, you, you never really know, but yeah, lots of teams were interested. It's just, you know, when are, it depends how the draft goes and their draft boards, who comes off their mm-hmm. list first. And you just, you really know it till you get called. And how was how was that feeling of getting drafted? Like how how what did you do that day? I guess like did you have a draft party? <laughs> no, um, that's the that's the key. By the way, unless you're a, a you know for uh, what do they call it surefire first rounder, like no, I highly recommend not having a draft party because you really don't know. Um, and I was projected to go four to six somewhere in there. I went in the fifth, so right in the middle. Mm-hmm. But like, even as the third round came to a close, didn't hear my name. Fourth round came to a close, didn't hear my name. I was like, I'm not getting drafted today. It's not going to happen. So uh, I did one round later, but it was very stressful. So, uh, yeah, but awesome. When you see your name pop up, you know, my family and I were following the, the draft tracker on the computer. And before they announced it, I see my name pop up, Seattle, mm-hmm. fifth round. And I was like, no way. And then they're like, and with the, you know, 162nd pick, we picked right along. I was like, oh my God. So it was really cool. What was that feeling like of, finally seeing your name kind of scroll across the screen yeah, and have that like all the years of hard work finally like coming to like you know all worth it yeah exactly that man like my parents were right there and they were taking me to pitching lessons and you know all the travel ball games you know just everything even basketball included just the amount of time my parents put into getting me as good of an opportunity as you can get as a, a high school kid uh, and college kid, you know, just thanking them and just all the work you put in, finally it's validated. You know, you can't really substitute that feeling. And so once you do get drafted, you're like, oh, they, someone believes in me, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it's a really cool feeling. So when you did get drafted, did you f- go to rookie ball? Um, what was like, what's the next step in that process of uh, getting drafted and then what, what what happens next right so if you're like a, a a player from latin america or a high school draft pick you'll probably go to rookie ball so what i went to first was called short season which is like a bunch of the college draft picks it starts in june and you play like half of a minor league year mm. um and so i started there and then within three weeks i got moved up to low a right away too coincidentally the wisconsin timber rattlers right yeah. in your neck of the woods yep, yep. so uh that was seattle's low a for a while um, so I, I went to Everett, Washington first for three, three weeks and then got moved up to low A, uh, did okay there. And mm-hmm. then, uh, I started moving up after that, but anyway, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, there's, I hit every level in the minor leagues. 
How was it uh, in Wisconsin? Like, how did you enjoy your experience? Yeah, I thought it was great. A little bit of an older team. So I was kind of like a, you know, was a fifth round pick coming in. Like these guys, you know, everybody, they don't want to see new young guys come in because they might take their spot. You know, that's True. just how it is. True. So um, I had to get used to the minor league life. You know, I didn't break camp from spring training with these guys. You know, I didn't really know anybody. So it was, it was a struggle in the beginning. But other than that, it was fine. I loved playing there. It was great. The stadium's awesome. The people are great in Wisconsin. So uh, no complaints about playing there. Um, the bus trips in that league are long. You know, you're going from Michigan, Illinois, Iowa. It's a, mm. a lot of bus rides and overnights and um, Ohio a little bit. And it's just it's a lot of travel in that league. Um, but it's a good league. And, and I enjoyed my time in Wisconsin. Yeah, no, I, I've I've been here at seven years now, I think. And I've, I've enjoyed it. I also grew up in California, although uh, I grew up in NorCal, Bay Area, which, of course, is why I Big Warriors fan, yeah. A's and, and Raiders, although they're gone. They're out in You Vegas. might lose the A's too. You know what? I hope they do. Like I'm I'm kind of tired <laughs> of oh like like yeah. No, yeah, they might build a great stadium in, in Vegas for them. Vegas has been such a huge sports town. Yeah. Um, uh, like we saw the Knights, what they do, and then uh the, the A's actually have the Las Vegas uh aviators, uh their triple A team, and right. they have a beautiful stadium out there. And then of course the Raiders, like that stadium is packed. Um, I know like before the the Knights went out there, the Golden Knights, I think a lot of people were like, well, you know, it's it's Vegas. Like these, these players are have so much like temptation to like just go out and spend money and maybe yeah. like kind of ruin their derail their career as some way. But it's been a really good sports town, I feel like. And I feel like uh, Oakland, like they need another they, if there's if they're going to move anywhere. I hope it's Las Vegas because. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Vegas to see it? Exactly, man. I would love to play there. It'd be awesome. Um, and the Raiders fans, as you know, travel well. So wherever oh, yeah. they're, they're at, they'll find them. Absolutely. And I, I feel like Oakland as a city has kind of screwed up. They lost the Raiders twice, you know, L.A. and they came back. Yeah, and the back. stadiums, it sucks. It's, <laughs> it's a dump. Yeah. It's, it's a complete dump. But uh, there's we have T-shirts as A's fans that say uh, baseball's last dive bar. That's what, oh, we, that's what, we, that's what we That's call what it the, is. The stadium, yeah. But uh, it's 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 it, you know it's it is it is what it is. I think if they move, it'd be fine. It hopefully, it's Vegas, Nashville is another city I've heard. Um, I think they got a Triple A team there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they used to be the the A's Triple A back maybe like I think they're 13, the Brewers 14. now, right? Now they're the Brewers. Yeah. yeah. So it was the A's and went to the Brewers. It might have been the Brewers. Might have been the Rangers too. I think it was the A's, the Rangers, then the Brewers. Um, even no matter what, like I feel like they they need to find somehow. The Rays and the A's need new stadiums. Yeah, both of those places are total dumps. Not, For sure. Not not to get so off topic, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's complete. It's a complete mess. Um, in your life as a minor leaguer, you talked about the the long bus rides. Um, how was that uh, in in low A, uh, double A, and then even triple A? Because you said you played all levels. Um, right. How was the? Is there a huge difference in like the transportation and the food and the accommodations? um what was your experience because you hear about the experiences now and i and we talked about how like i feel like baseball like minor leagues is kind of like an unknown like fans yeah. don't i think fans maybe don't want to know because then they'll feel kind of like Ugh, like they're going through that and they're only getting paid this or professional baseball players who went through college and all that just to get paid like a thousand dollars or whatever a month like it's right it's it's it's, it's, it's insane how uh underpaid and like underappreciated they are uh, and so many don't ever get to the majors, right? Like you look at the statistics. I don't know off the top of my head. 
like what percentage get actually to play in the majors, but it's not, a, it's not a very big number. Uh, right. So they should be getting paid, you know, well above minimum wage, basically. Yeah. I mean, the bus ride, they suck in every league, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I was in, so so low A was the Midwest League. So like I mentioned, all the Midwest states. So those are the long ones. The accommodations, you know, the higher you get, the better the accommodations get and the better stadiums you're playing in. In most cases, sometimes you'll get a random like Fort Wayne, Indiana, which has an unbelievable stadium or the Dayton Dragons in Ohio. They sell out every game, unbelievable stadium. But other times you'll get, you know, crap places like, no offense, Clinton, Iowa, one of the worst <laughs> places I've ever played. Um, but it's just a mix of both. Um, the problem is that you're expected to perform at a high level, even that next night after a, a 10 hour bus ride, you know, and you just, you show up at 3 AM in the morning, you know, you, you try, you go to sleep, you try to go to sleep, you wake up at a weird hour, you go to the field, do it all over again. You know, a lot of, some people don't have sympathy for you because you're a base, you're playing a game, mm-hmm, but it's like, yep. dude, I'm, I'm expected to perform at my best. And if I don't do well for a while, I might get released. Like this is my livelihood here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're they're making moves to have better accommodations, I think. But honestly, all the money's in the big leagues. They don't care that much about the minor leagues. It's just meant to weed people out until you get to the big leagues. So um, in high A, I played in the Florida State League, which you would think is good because most of the travel mm-hmm. is four hours or less on bus. But sometimes you don't stay in a hotel. So you got to drive back home that night after the game every wow. single time if it's like one or two hours, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's annoying for a four or five game series driving there and back every single day. So there's just little things like that. Um, double A wasn't, you would think it's better. It's really not, it, you know, mm-hmm. I was in the Southern league. So all in the South and, you know, Alabama and, you know, um, a little bit of uh, Florida, Georgia, you know, just random, you know, States down there. Um, it, it's, I don't know, New Orleans, you know, I guess New Orleans is okay. Cause you're in triple A, but yeah, you don't start taking planes until you're in triple A. So that's the difference. Wow. Um, and you're you're not a short guy, so those no those bus rides must have been like hell for you. Yeah, it sucks definitely. That's why I say I'm too tall because I'm too tall for a lot of things, man. And you know, sitting in buses, cars, shoes, clothes, you know, all kinds of stuff, doorways. You know, it's just the the world was not built for tall people. We'll just say that. Um, how did you like mentally get through like the the long bus rides, the the food, um, maybe even just like the living accommodations? Yeah. Um, did you, how many people lived with you? Like, I know there's, I've heard stories of people who have like six people to a, a three yeah. bedroom with one in the kitchen, one in the living room on a blow up air mattress. How was it? That happened. Yeah. It happened a few times. You know, you rent uh, an air mattress from Walmart for three months and you return it or, you know, yep. a TV from Walmart, whatever. Yeah. It's hard. You know, you gotta, you gotta figure out if you gotta find a, luckily a month to month lease. Cause honestly, there's going to be dudes changing in and out of there all the time because mm-hmm. people are getting moved up, moved down, released, whatever traded. Um, and yeah, that was one of the crazy experiences of my career is getting traded mid-season and meeting the next team on the road that I was going to when I was, you know, went to the Pirates. Like I knew nobody. It's just like a whole the the bottom line is you have no control over any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. All you have control over is how you perform on the field. That's it. You you cannot worry about who why this guy got moved up, why he got moved down, why you're not getting moved up. I think when you get to like, you know, the season starts if you count spring training March 1st-ish. You know, you get to August, you haven't been moved up yet. You're pretty salty at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. So everybody's tired of each other. You see the same guys every day for six months. It can be a freaking grind. So um, that part is really tough. But at the end of the day, again, you can't do anything but perform on the field. So one of the things, I hate this saying, but they always, the coaches and people would tell it to you. is like, if you don't like it here, play better. That's what they would say. And it's just like, dude, I'm playing well. Like, you know, like well enough to get moved up. It's just, you have no control. 
how how was it? You talked about getting traded. How was it being traded midseason? Yeah, it's um, weird. Were you <laughs> were you given a warning like, hey, they're, no. they're you're on you're on you're maybe interested or they're interested in you? I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's No wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash blue wire, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash blue wire right now. That's shopify.com slash blue wire. So yes, technically yes. So I, we, my my buddy on the team and I got traded together. We were on a bus on the road to a game in Lansing, Michigan, actually. And I was told before I got off the bus, "Hey, you're not going to pitch today or tomorrow. You're gonna you're in trade talks right now. Wow. So you can't play because we can't trade a potentially hurt player. Right. So I had to sit in the stands for two games. My buddy and I wow. just sitting there, you know, wondering what our next move in life is going to be. And once we got the news, we had to fly back to Clinton, Iowa, move out of our apartment and fly to meet the new team, which was on the road, of course, not at home. So you got all your stuff with you and you don't even know where you're going to live when you get back Mm -hmm. there. Hopefully there's an open room that you can be in and live there for the rest of the year. So it's a whirlwind, man. And and one of the I think one of the problems of getting traded in the minors is once you leave the original team that drafts you. You're no longer the new team's priority guy. You're mm. just one of the guys because they already have their draft picks that they yep. need to move through the system. So it's definitely there's some politics going on behind the scenes there, which again you have no control over. Yeah, and maybe there's something that can change with that regard in, in the new CBA. Who knows? Because that's kind of that's not that's that's the kind of life of every minor leaguer who's getting traded. Um, I had someone on earlier. You may you actually you might know him. Did you know Dario Pisano? He was also a Mariner. I don't know that uh, name. I think he Maybe got, he's after me. Ah, oh, man, I want to say he got drafted in fourteen or fifteen. I can't. Oh, okay, that's way. But, after uh, me. okay, okay. But he was he was also and he was kind of telling me the same thing. Like he was just basically doing the best he can, but was just getting overlooked. Yeah. Um. And, and it's well, just, again, 
if if you're not in their plans, like you could be hitting 300 if you're a hitter and and doing great, and they're not going to move you up because you're just not their guy. So yeah, that's that's the part that sucks is you have no. It's not a performance based business all the time. There's a lot of non baseball moves that happen. So yeah, yeah, GMs hard. who don't want to admit that maybe they drafted wrong or maybe yeah. Maybe uh, that like, first rounder isn't as good as they thought, but they need to push him through the system to maybe be able to trade him at some point. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, that's wild how how much like the politics and like the business side of things can get yeah. in the way of someone's career who can, you know, you were an all-star, correct? What I was an all-star the- in low A and high A. Didn't get moved up in either situation. So I'm just like, again, what else do I need to do mm. to prove to you that I've already outperformed the league? Like what, making an all-star team should give you like, what again what else do you need yeah <laughs> so it's just that's the part that's frustrating man that again i you can't do anything about it so yeah how did you how did you deal with that though like emotionally like the stress i guess i would imagine it's stressful being kind of coming to that realization of no matter what you do these guys are just like you're not because there's guys. always other teams watching and so that okay. was the big break in my career when i got rule five of the diamondbacks because again the pirates i was an all-star in high a didn't i even won a playoff game in in the minors for them and still didn't get moved up didn't get any looks after that and every time i pitched out if one of the executives is there i want to make sure they knew yep. i was like yep. here i'm gonna give you a little lecture right yeah. here um but that was the big break in my career going from high a to big league spring training the following year in 2011 with the diamondbacks that was my chance i was on the 40 man to make the big league club out of spring training and i did great there too i just you know i wasn't they're not going to put guys that are making a few mil in the minors it's just they didn't need to move me in the big leagues because it was kind of an older team and they were like Mm -hmm. still in contention so it was just wrong timing for me and they they sent me down to double a which was still a promotion technically but um that was my my break in my career, I guess you could say. So, if you were how how did it get? How did it feel getting in like the rule the rule the rule five draft? Because um, for those who don't know, if I mean correct me if I'm wrong, it's the, the player. It kind of protects team or players from just kind of being stashed away for years and years, right? Um, on a team's roster, how did it feel getting drafted by a different team? In that yeah, rule so. Five draft? This is like your way out of, you know, being stuck in the minor leagues with the one team that's not going to move you up. So after your fourth year in the minors, whatever team you're on, if they don't put you on their 40 man or protect you, other teams can have at it and pick you in the rule five draft. So that's how the Dimebacks picked me. And you it's a great thing for your career because you immediately go on the 40 man and you go to big right. league camp the following spring. That is like as good as it gets for a minor leaguer that's stuck moving nowhere. So that was huge for my career. Um, even though I didn't make it to the big leagues eventually, that was like I did get one big league camp, which was pretty cool. So how was it in big league camp? It was awesome, man. You just it's a different feeling. You're just around. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> just the names on the lockers, and I was just like, damn, dude, am I really here right now? Like that. It was a, a little bit of a not that I'm like starstruck because there was no yeah. like super superstars in there but there were definitely names that i knew growing up watching and so it was really cool to be a part of that and just be all you get whatever like the clubhouse is awesome you get all the you just get whatever you want and it's it's a different lifestyle than the minors so that was really cool was there anybody on that team that kind of like was like a mentor to you that you could you kind of uh looked up to yeah you know? so uh if you remember the closer jj putts he and i yeah. had the same agent so uh we had met a few times and uh he kind of looked after me a little i was only there for like a month but uh, okay. he kind of looked after me a little bit and so it, it was cool to, to have that um but there's a lot of big names there if you remember guys like willie bloomquist and aaron hill was on that team and yep. 
Uh, Ian Kennedy was a starter there, and just oh, a wow. lot of dudes that were. Uh, Justin Upton was still on the team, so there were some, the some. Yeah, dude, there were some dudes there, so it was, it was cool. Yeah. Um, now you you said if you get if you're not on the big league roster, you're off. Like you, how does that work? Since you didn't make you right. didn't camp, so they had in the Rule Five situation, they had to trade someone away to keep me because I didn't make the big league roster out of camp. But they traded to keep me. Also, really cool that they did yeah. that. Um, so I still was got to be on the 40 man, but I was just like not in the big league. So I was one of their 15 guys in the minors that, you know, was like Mm -hmm. a kind of a priority guy. I happened to not have a great second half of the year in double a there. So that Uh, kind of set me back. Uh, the following year I had a good year in double a and triple a, but, um, that year I went, I got sent down. That was like the worst year of my career, unfortunately. mm. So (laughs) at what point did you realize that? baseball wasn't going to be your your path uh maybe your career um although you know you spent years of of work trying to get to that point it's probably not an easy conversation to have with yourself like maybe this isn't the the path for me uh when you were sent down was did that like maybe doubt start trying to keep creeping I mean, a little bit, because that was the first time in my career I felt like damn I can't like the month of August that year I just literally like could not get anybody out. Like I just felt like my stuff wasn't working and it was the first time I felt overmatched for a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I came back the following year and did really well in starting double a moved up to triple a did well. I thought, I really thought I was going to get called up. Like mm-hmm. I started out really hot in triple a and I was like this, I'm one call away, you know, yep. like this could be it. And so I had a great year in triple a and they bring me back to spring training in 2014 and I get released two weeks in. I was just wow. like, again, what haven't I shown you guys that you need to see that I can pitch at the next level? So I wasn't one of their guys, and that's what it is. What it is, you know, you get pushed out after a while. It's, yeah. it's baseball is getting younger. So, uh, and I didn't throw 98, 99. So <laughs> that didn't help either. Um, a lot of guys will probably tell you they never think they're going to play independent ball until they play independent ball because it's really your last effort chance to make it back mm-hmm. to affiliated baseball in the minors. So I told myself I'll play one year. Okay. My first, and I'm by the way, not trying to brag. I'm just telling you what happened. Yeah. Um, my first 19 innings in independent ball, scoreless. I didn't give up a run. So wow. I'm like, I can't do anything more. Can someone please call me yeah. back to the minors? Anybody? Like, hello, I'm dominating right now. So, nope, didn't get the call. And I wow. told myself after that year, I was 28 going on 29. I was just like, I'm not going to be a baseball mm-hmm. lifer. I'm not going to play independent ball till I'm 40 and collect checks for nothing. Mm-hmm. six months out of the year yeah. it's not the life i want to live so that's when i knew after that one year 2014 independent ball i was done so was it didn't, a, yeah go ahead no so was it a tough decision um i, I can't i can't imagine it's easy yeah but just kind of then thinking like what do you do next did you right. because you didn't you didn't graduate did you go back to school no i never went back to school it was a tough decision but at the same time i was at peace because i knew i mean everybody can do a little more than they did but Mm-hmm. Pretty much, I I think I have a hell of a resume in baseball. You know, like yeah. what else do I need to do? So I was at peace with my career, and uh, actually, funny enough, I I didn't take much time off. I went right into franchising. So I decided to, okay. to become a franchisee into a Jimmy John's sandwich uh, franchise. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys in the Midwest love it, and that's kind of yeah. when I got exposed to it because they would deliver sandwiches to the, to the clubhouse, which was awesome. Okay. So yeah. that's like when I was like, huh, maybe I'll be a franchisee. I always kind of wanted to own my own business. The business plan is set. It's a good starting block. Um, little did I know it was the hardest thing ever. 
and uh, no one knows what it is out here in California, so it's a hard to sell. Yep. And it's a limited menu and so on and so on. But um, so I, I went right into it, but I ended up selling it three years later, which is good. It's the right decision. So I was happy to get out and uh, and move on with, with something else. Um, does it does it when you look back at your career and now that you're gone and you're out of the out of the game? Um, do you just looking back? Do you miss like what do you miss the most? I miss the guys. I miss, you know, playing cards in the locker room, you know, hanging out before games and just. Mm-hmm. You know, talking trash to people, everybody going back and forth and just funny, funny things that we do. And, you know, some of the bus rides were fun, you know, go out drinking after games sometimes with the guys and just because everybody is in the same position. You know, we're not working other jobs. You know, everybody's for the most part, their families aren't there. So we're just Mm kind of enjoying it and doing whatever we can and just the fun stuff in the dugout. And, you know, you make the best of it. I think you, you miss the guys in the locker room. You don't miss the grind of doing you know, first and third drills and team defense and all that BS shagging yeah. balls and BP. And you don't miss that stuff. You just miss the people. Yeah, no, I, I can't even imagine just kind of spending so much time there and then yes. that's kind of taken away from you. Right. Um, have you ever thought about getting into like coaching or kind of going that route? I haven't, you know what? I just, um, right when I retired, I kind of stepped away from baseball. I just okay. didn't want to be near it. I didn't want to watch it on TV because I didn't want to see these dudes that are getting called up that it's not me up there. Yeah. Yep. So I kind of was bitter at baseball for a while. And that's why I think I recently reconnected with people from my past for the podcast, stuff like that. But uh, coaching wise, maybe down the road, I just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't have the patience right now. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to establish myself in other ways. And by the way, if you want to be a minor league coach and work your way up to the big leagues, it's just mm-hmm. like being a player. You got to start at the lower level. So I do, do I want to do the bus rides again? Do I want to That's write true. reports after That's games true. again? Do I want to watch 142 games a year in the minors again? You know, not really. Like it's yeah. just, it's such a long road. So I kind of, that's why I want to go the sports media route so I can talk about it. So I'd rather, I'd rather do that. That's incredible. And in your, your basketball guy at heart, yeah. Um, are you a Lakers fan or a Clippers yes. fan? Yes, okay. definitely Lakers. If I don't understand how people are Clipper fans out here, but okay. If you want to be anti. Yeah. Dude, I remember, <laughs> so I'm a Warriors fan. So like, right. I, Lucky I, you. Yeah. Well, Hey, we, I suffer through so many years of bad basketball. You did. Like yeah. I was able to go on StubHub and get like a $10 ticket, <laughs> like the day of the game. Now it's like a hundred something for like standing room only. And you're like, Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. We got to really appreciate this because like, well, Warriors fans, we, we lost it. Like we had two bad seasons and then now we're best team in basketball again. It's just right. crazy how it all, how it all works. And you out. got the new arena and everything. It looks nice. Yeah. It is nice. It is nice. Although I I haven't been to the new arena, and I I, I always kind of wonder like, is it more corporate now because it's sure. uh, more expensive? And yeah, the, like the the Bay Area, the Oakland fans aren't can they afford those tickets? Um, the vibe I haven't seen. I can't wait to see playoff basketball there because I want to see how that vibe is compared to to when it just got wild and in, in, in Oracle as they used to call it at the yeah. Oracle Arena. Oracle, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you, how do you enjoy talking like not only baseball, but basketball and you talk football and, you know, I, I've heard you, you do your, um, like your monologue in the beginning. And I've heard yeah. you talk about football. You've talked about baseball. You talked about college bas- uh, football. Um, how do you enjoy that compared to just like only baseball? Because if I'm being honest, baseball is kind of boring sometimes. So I, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy- bad, right? Exactly. I enjoy other things, man. I, I, I like you know, when I do my opening monologue, I call it my two cents yeah. for the two tall sports podcast. 
I like to pick one topic a week that I feel I have a, a, an opinion on or a take okay. about, you know, and I try to be logical and set the scene and tell the story. But, you know, I like golf too. You know, I had one the other day about Tiger Woods' kid, you know, how great he was the other day in that tournament. So it's just like, mm-hmm. there's, there's other things I have interest in, you know, or the college football playoff and how ridiculous it is, you know, the way that the committee picks these teams, you know, who's in the final four and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I have bigger interest than just baseball and I it's it's good because it's you know sports are seasonal so I don't like I said I don't want to talk about baseball that much right now yeah. there's nothing going on so I need other things to talk about so that's why I, I enjoy it It's funny you say that it's boring because for me <laughs> I mean you you play the game for me I, do, I, yeah. I love it like it's to me it's like the best sport in the world um but I I suffer through bad baseball and it's i think baseball is the worst sport when your team sucks because yes there's so many games and it's every day like it's every day if it's like once a week like on on sunday like you kind of get over it as the week goes by but if it's a daily like wow like i can't even imagine being a fan of a team like the mariners who haven't been to the postseason in like over 20 years just like what are you and you want me to watch 162 of these games a year like no thank you dude like i'm sorry i'm not gonna do that and also, um, what was I going to say? Uh, as far as baseball goes, you know, if you're really bad and you're tanking, mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to expect fans to show up to your games either. That's true. Like, that's kind of yeah. BS. You're not even trying to win. So I, I don't like that aspect either. And um, I feel like so many teams are tanking. Like, yeah. The Astros and the Cubs are, they're like the anomaly. Like how many you look at like the Pirates who have been bad for several years now? The Orioles. I had a huge bad. take on that on those teams. The, why is their payroll so low? Why are you mm-hmm. basically a minor league feeding system for all these big league clubs that just steal your players? You know, because you don't want to pay anybody. Like yeah. I, I don't get that. And you want me to watch your games? Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like you're you're not trying to win. So I don't I don't like that. Yeah, I hate I hate that. I hate I hate the the concept of small market teams. Every team, every owner is rich. You know, they, exactly. They have, a, they have a lot of money. The, their yes. market doesn't. If they want to win, if they want to spend money, like the Rays, if they really wanted, and they just broke off, you know, Juan Franco. But if they really wanted to spend all this money on yeah. other players, the owner has the money to do it. It's just like, I think it's he likes. I think he also with Oakland. I was uh, just gonna say, how about Oakland, man? They do the same thing it, all it's the still, time. It is so hard being an A's fan, like legitimately. Like yeah. I remember. Was it 14? It was after 14. It was Christmas. I was wrapping presents when the Josh Donaldson news broke, when they traded him to Toronto yeah. for Kendall Graveman, uh, Brett Lowry, uh, who was like their, the highlight of that package, right. Franklin Barreto, and I think Sean Nolan, I think was the fourth guy. No one is in the league anymore except Kendall Graveman. He's a reliever, a very good reliever, but you wouldn't trade an all-star, an MVP, no. third baseman for a reliever you know right um and it just happens every year and this season again you see the matt olsen to to the yankee rumors you see matt chapman to this place all the rumors and they want to get rid of sean Manaya. they want to get rid of chris bassett who's legitimate like these are legit players who yeah why not just they did it a- with uh yoana cespedes too don't okay that's that's a that's a <laughs> sore a sore a sore topic for me because when that trade happened, I was freaking out. Like, I hated it. Uh, and then you saw what happened to John Lester in the postseason. Uh, he, he refuses to throw to first base, and the Royals stole, like, six, seven bases on us. Like, we complete – oh, man. It's – uh, it's. I still have nightmares, and, like, I am, I'm not over that 2014 season. 
Yeah. Like, I don't think I ever will be over that because that's that was a season when we were the best team in baseball. And then we ended up a wild card team with the lead twice and then still losing. It's like, oh man, we had the team to win too. Like, For it was sure. a good, it was a good season. Um, I, before, I wanted to bring up one other thing real yeah, quick about why baseball bothers me right now is Do I it. got out of the game before the analytics got really hot. Oh, yeah. That is, it's making me not want to watch either because you know, the spin rate crap and the exit velocity and launch angle and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not the same game that I grew up with. And I'm not even that old. I'm 34. So, but I'm still old school in that regard. Like I still think average matters and RBIs and homers matter. Of course, you know, just there's things about the game. Now there's just not as much action anymore. It's a lot of strikeouts and a lot of walks and a Mm -hmm. lot, you know, homers and stuff like that. And it's just not the same game that I remember growing up watching and the passion and, you know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, so that's another part of it that I don't like is the heavy, heavy analytics. I I completely agree. Especially when you think about, I think the best example is the Rays in the, in the world series, right? They They overmanage now. It's just like, you know, you, you lost your feel for the game. You're not watching anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just like, well, third time through the lineup, he's got to come out. Why? Computers, (laughs) you know, the computer says, I just dumb. Yeah, I hate that. I think I think it ruins the sport. I I understand the importance, but when you're taking away like the gut feeling of a manager and you take away that decision making from him and you you base that off of analytics, which yeah, they may be right some of the time, but they're not always going to it's no. not always you have to trust your gut, right? especially as a manager and I feel like um some of these newer age managers are more on the analytical side, which is why I'm so happy that the Mets hired um no, not the Mets who just yeah the Mets they just yeah hired, Buck Showalter he's old school I, old school I love that I think that's a good move I think he's gonna be really good I think the Mets are really gonna be a very good team I think the, the Bob Melvin to the Padres I that's think that's a good probably move too. one of the I think that's probably one of the most underrated moves this whole offseason so far uh, he's been he's won with the Mariners um, he's oh, he was you were, he was way before you uh, he won with the Mariners he won with Oakland uh, yeah. four or five straight four or five trips to the postseason with Oakland. Uh, he a roster with the uh, owner who's not afraid to spend money. I think I think the Padres are going to be legitimately one of the best teams in baseball yeah. this season, and I'm all for it because so, like I love Bob Melvin, yeah, for sure. And some of the I I forget who told me this, but it's true. Baseball used to have Buck Showalter's from that era of big personality managers yeah. where they were the star, and now it's like a lot of these managers are just you know the sounding board for the front office now. Yeah. I hate yes, to man, say it, but right, exactly. So. The it's we're we're hopefully getting back to and if you look at the managers that were in the World Series, Brian Snicker is like sixty something mm-hmm. years old for the Braves. So it's like Dusty Baker, another old, old school. school guy. Yep. So I, you know, this new wave of young analytics dudes that are just saying yes and and and, and just putting the lineup card up. I don't like that, man. I, I want gut feeling. I want guys that that see the game the way it is being played today versus. This means this, and this equals this. You know, so I'm old yeah, school in that regard for sure. If you think about <laughs> Dusty Baker when he was with the Giants, when he was with the yeah uh, the Dodgers, what was it or the Nationals? His biggest thing was that people second guessed his some of his his decisions, but he trusted his gut, right? Not analytics, and some of them backfired. But you know what? Like I appreciate the fact that he he made the move that he thought was best, not with not what you know some nerds you know right uh, in a, in a in the analytical department told him he should do. So I, I yeah. appreciate that way more than than what happened with the Rays when they pull their best starter after he's just cruising because, you know, third time through the order. And yeah. one guy got on base. Exactly. It's stupid. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I am glad we were on the same, and I can I could just rant about this. Forever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 one of those more frustrating things about baseball. Yes. Um, but I I want to end on this. We talked about the your life in the minors and the experiences. Um, I know I had mentioned that I feel like nowadays there's more awareness of what of what is going on in the minor leagues, uh, and then there's organizations like. Uh, adopt a minor leaguer more than baseball and they're doing all this like work to advocate for the the minor leagues and i try, I try to do what i can uh, i wouldn't say i'm involved heavily but i from whatever i can do just having uh players like you want and other minor leaguers on i had Cade uh, mcclure on who kind of uh set twitter afire when he um quote tweeted draymond green i don't know if you saw that oh yeah 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 when draymond was complaining about their <laughs> travel and stuff yeah, I had I had him on the next uh, the next week. I said, "Hey, talk wow. to me about why you quote tweeted him and explain this to me." So there's like an awareness of what's going on now. Um, what is your thoughts on what baseball can do more uh, to kind of help these minor leaguers out? I think they started in the right direction. I believe a couple months ago, saying the teams will cover housing now, which they should be covering housing for six months. Like you, like I said, it's hard to find month to month leases, you know, all the time. Yeah. Just take care of the housing. We're, like you mentioned earlier, we're making a thousand bucks a month, you know, for mm-hmm. six months. And then what? We make nothing in the off season. Right. So the food's got to be better, which is hard to do. But if we can, can you know, get the food better. We're, these are professional athletes. Like we're getting paid to play. And we're some of the best baseball players in the mm-hmm. world. Even though we're in the minor leagues, we're still some of the best players in the world. And we're making peanuts for, for baseball, you know. Yeah. So um, the pay's got to get better. Like we shouldn't be making minimum wage as a professional baseball player. I'm sorry. Like we should not. So um, I agree as many hours as we spend at the field, you know, we're there 10, 11 hours a day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's just, it's such a grind. They should help out a little more. I think contracting the minors a little bit might've been a good thing. Maybe, you know, shortening the road to get there. Um, But yeah, taking care of guys sooner. You know, one of the big things at the CBA right now is that, it's hard to hit free agency in professional sports. It's like seven years the team has control over wild. So we want guys to get paid sooner and younger because it's just not a lot of guys hit free agency in baseball. You might hit arbitration if you're lucky after your third mm-hmm. year, but seven years to stay, that's a long time. So I agree. It's professional sports is so hard, just like football. It's you know, mm-hmm. average careers three years. Pay them sooner because it's it's tough. It's tough life. Yeah, if you think about all the money that they've spent from little league to high school to college to minors, and they're they're finally getting to you know professional baseball, and they can get paid more you know working at like Target. <laughs> right, know, it's, exactly. It's, it's wild. It's crazy, dude. And that's year yeah. round your job. We're only we don't get paid in the off season, so yeah. we have to make X amount of dollars in six months, and then what? You want us to try to? Who's going to hire me for six months every off season? Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm not. It's it's not sustainable. So yeah, I had a I had a I had, so I was talking to another minor leaguer, um, and I said, "Hey, come on the podcast, let's talk." And he said, "Well, I'd like to, but I work like from like two to two. And I'm like, "Wow, like okay, well, you know, you focus on that. That's way more important, you know. Yeah, or being so many hours just yeah. to kind of get enough money saved so that you can kind of live off what you're making as a minor leaguer, which is in- insane. How how low? And I like again, I don't think so many people know, and I don't think people were as willing to know because once you know you kind of feel kind of feel like you have to do something about it you know um not knowing something is so much more easier than knowing like wow these these young guys and talking about like foreign players coming from another country 
And then some of them send the money back home because their yeah. family need the money more than they need to hear. Right. Uh, it's just uh, it's 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 kind of it's it's kind of uh, infuriating if you think about it, um, which is why I'm glad that there's been such a push to like really um, like advocate for these guys. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it seems it's it's still a very long road. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Like them taking care of housing. Okay. <laughs> Like it's a, it's a nice start. thing. It's a yeah. small start, um, but at least the awareness is getting there. It's out there, so it's in the right direction. But until I start seeing guys getting paid better in the minors, then then we'll talk. But until then, it's just going to be here. We'll give you a little piece, and then another little piece, and until they never do anything. So yeah, that's that's the way it goes. Baseball is a slow sport, slow to change, and I I just and the owners are so just focus on all the mi- billions of dollars that they right. spend on players. Like we saw, like think all the contracts we saw, like what a day before the lockout happened. Uh, but yet no money is really heading toward, toward the miners who are like the next, they're the next wave of players. Right. And you would think you would want to put them in the best position to win. So yeah. that they can, you know, go then, and then, and then go to perform in the majors, but that's, right. that is what it is. Yeah. But Hey, uh, Brett, I want to uh, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate this. Uh, I'll have to have you back on again because I enjoy talking baseball with you. Sure. Uh, maybe next time we'll come on, we'll we'll talk some Steph Curry and uh, <sighs> rectify some wrong takes that were perhaps talked about on your podcast. Yeah. Um, give your podcast a shout out and tell us where we can find you on social media. Yeah. So you can find me uh, at Two Tall Sports Podcast. So T O O Tall Sports Podcast mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. Instagram on Twitter, it's at Two Tall Sports. I am on TikTok, making a lot of content on there lately. So you can find me at Two Tall Sports Podcast on TikTok. I do a lot of storytelling and showcasing guys that I used to play with in the minors and uh, my best and worst stadiums I've ever played in. That's a fun series. So, um, yeah, all that stuff. Just it, it's fun. So I do create some content on social media, but you can follow me anywhere. All this um, audio and uh, on, on YouTube, you can follow me. Just type in Two Tall Sports Podcast. Awesome. Well, hey, you have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouth feel. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.